0: Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, it was another disappointing effort on home ice. We'll break down what went wrong in the Sens' 4-1 loss to
1: the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Sens will start their big road trip in St. Louis up against a team that just fired their head coach. So you can probably guess what was trending in Ottawa.
0: We'll discuss all that and more on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Inside episode 937 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, you can follow the show on social media. We're at Send Central on Twitter, Locked on Instagram. The show is free and available on all podcast platforms, including on YouTube, where you can like, subscribe, and watch the show all day long. You also can know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. It's Game Time. Today is Wednesday, December 13th, and Pilsy, happy birthday to Vladimir Tarasenko. He's got a revenge game on tap, and frankly, it's a revenge game for the entire Ottawa Senators team because they laid an egg in what was a very,
1: very, winnable game against Carolina. And also happy birthday to Mad Sogar too, right? Same birthday as Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh Yeah. Tough way to kind of uh, leave the home home area. When you're about to go off onto a, a big road trip, it's like you're, you're saying goodbye to your family. You want to leave on a good note. The Ottawa Senators left on a terrible note saying goodbye to their fans at the CTC with that four, one loss. And Ross, why did the St. Louis Blues have to fire their head coach ahead of the game up against the Senators? I am there's two guarantees in the game of hockey. If a guy has just had a baby, he's going to have a big game, he's going to score goals, he's going to get in the mix. And if a team fires their head coach, that new coach bump for their first game leads to almost every single time an automatic win. So the Senators, they're already they're already down they're already losing this game up against the St. Louis Blues, and it doesn't start for another what, like twenty-nine Nine? hours or something like that. Yeah, so this is this is not good if you're the Ottawa Senators, especially Ross. And I don't know if we're going to get into it now or later, but especially when you start recapping the longest tenured coaches in the league. Now that Craig Berube is also off that list,
0: we will get to that later in the show. Right. I'll give you I'll give you a third guarantee, though, in the game oh. of hockey. Sir. team that scores more goals wins the game
1: yes yes well <laughs> i mean the the guarantees i'm talking about maybe there are some uh outliers because it's very usual very typical pattern ross for the team that scores first in a hockey game to also end up winning this one the ottawa Senators showed yet again last night sure they might score first but they're never going to score again and they're going to lose the game
0: they must have the worst record when scoring first in the National Hockey League. They've have done to. it 16 times this season, and they've lost seven of those games. And it's even worse at home because you get so fired up at home when the team scores first. They are 7-5-0 and when scoring first at home. That's brutal.
1: Can't happen. Yeah, especially, Ross. When you score first at home... You have so many advantages to hold that lead. You get one the last of those... change, you get the face-off advantage. Like you gotta be able to grasp it and just hold on to it.
0: I'd love to know how many of those games they were able to extend the lead to 2-0. That to me is where they really like it it's not often. No. And now you look at the CTC, and again, we always have to put that asterisk, and I've taken out the two games in Europe because I want this segment to be dedicated to the season ticket holders that go out to Canada. Yeah weekly, even twice a week. And right now they're seeing a pretty bad product. The senators are six, nine and zero at the Canadian tire center this season. And you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah. It's even worse when you realize they won the home opener. They won the second game of the season and they won the third game of the season in dominant fashion. I was stupid enough to tweet during that Washington game that the senators were going to be a problem for the entire NHL. They are as mediocre as it gets. And it's the same problems that keep sinking this team, Pilsy. The second period, atrocious. They get outscored 3 nothing again. They yep. have one scoring opportunity, one scoring chance, according to Natural Statrick, in the second period. They gave up eight. Like they, they fall apart in the second period where adjustments should be at a premium. That, to me, is the sign of a good coach. It's like in the NFL, halftime adjustments. You've seen 20 minutes of what they're going to do. So how are you going to combat that? And it seems like they don't really have an answer because it is the same problem. And people were pointing out fairly in our YouTube comments, yeah, the second period was great against Detroit. Guess what? They had eight forwards for the second period.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and Detroit's missing their top two centermen at that point. That's brutal. And Ross, just to kind of while we're dumping on a bad team, kicking a team that's down in last place not only in the division but in the conference. The power play has just been abysmal. Uh, And now that we're focusing on the season ticket holders, the power play is 0 for 18 over their past five games at the CTC, going 0 for 4 last night. And you talk about those goals being scored in the second period. The Carolina Hurricanes were able to put this one to bed in a minute and 21 seconds as the second and third goal were only one minute and twenty-one seconds apart. So, bang, bang, they ended it right there. There was no at, at that point, Ross. When that goal scored, game over.
0: Which game was the worst? Or sorry, oh. which goal against was the worst? Not game, because we could be here all day. I was going to say
1: oh, we're getting, we're opening this box.
0: No, which goal kind of left the worst taste in your mouth? Because for me, it was I Sebastian Ajo walking off the wall because of what had happened just previous where they let the, I forget who the last guy was, but he walked down main street. Corpus Al made a great glove save. You're like, okay, he calmed the waters. Now let's it get the there, Ross NHS. Right. Yeah. Then the next play, yep. they do it again. It was like the, the red sea just parting. And then you had another break and I just felt bad for Corpy at that point. Cause there's nothing he can do there.
1: Yeah. that was a tough one for sure. Ross, especially like you mentioned, like right Right before that goal happens, the second best player on the team has allowed that opportunity. And then the Sens are like, no, hold my beer. Let's let's allow their best player to now have that opportunity and to have that ability to get that ice so easily. So, yeah, I had a really tough time with that one. I, I did my rant about that on the postcast. So I'll I'll let you pick that as the worst goal for, for me, Ross. It was actually that third goal. I mean, Chikrin, bad change. Totally sewer Sanderson. The puck squeezes by Sanderson on the point. He has no idea that the other defenseman has changed. He's all alone. And it's Sebastian Aho and Seth Jarvis. Now they have a two on 0 Sandy's trying to chase them. And to make it even worse, Sandy catches up to them. And then Aho passes it backwards through Sandy to Jarvis. And Jarvis still is able to score. Like that was just like, Ross, at that point, that's the Carolina Hurricanes playing with their food. Yeah. They've already got a 2-1 lead and now they're like can we get away with this a 2 on 0 and passing backwards through the best defenseman on the team to still score? We can. Let's do it. And that was like I mentioned, a minute and 21 seconds after they had just taken the lead to make it
0: 2-1. And they made that they true. took that lead the same way they tied the game on a power play. The Sens PK yep. goes over two and if you go for season long statistics, the Ottawa Senators right now have the 31st ranked penalty kill in the National Hockey League. Only the Minnesota Wild are worse. The Senators are 72.4% on the PK. It's just not good enough. And, oh, wait, the only team worse than them just just fired their coach uh, because things were going so bad there. Like, even the San Jose Sharks, the Montreal Canadiens, they're both ahead of where the Ottawa Senators are on the PK. And not only that, the power play, they've scored this year. They've, they've shown they know how to put the puck in the net in many different ways. Brady scored on the power play right in front. Giroux scored from all over the place on the power play. They've gotten point shots through from Chickren and Sanderson. And they've been able to find ways to score on the power play. Except on home ice recently, as Ian Mendez pointed out, over their last 17 on home ice 18. on the power play. Oh, right. Because they add another. Sure. Pour salt on the wound, They Do it.
1: Yeah, it's it's absolutely brutal. And that's why I mentioned yesterday on the postcast I think it's time for a shake up with the people that run the PK and the power play. Yeah, I mean they've got-, they've got guys available to, to shake up offensively, and they got a guy now available to shake things up defensively. So I feel like it's one of those things, it's only a matter of time because if they're sticking true to this DJ Smith's not going anywhere. Somebody's gotta go somewhere. <laughs> like, we can't have this consistent losing and then just being like, it's gonna get better, it's gonna get better. That is the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And ultimately, for me, Ross, yes, the second period was bad and it, it's been bad for the sense. But for me, the special teams tells the story of this game. You allow two for two. For the Carolina Hurricanes power play and you go over four on your own power play, including two back to back power plays where the Hurricanes give you those. It's a too many men penalty and then a delay of game like those are gift wrapped opportunities for you to get your cookies, no cookies for the Ottawa Senators last night.
0: No cookies, just a pile of coal when it comes to the special teams. The Senators, they lose the face-off battle. They lose the five-on-five shot share battle. They tie in blocks. They they out-hit their opponent. Although, our our Laleems Martian was boots on the ground in this game, and he noted, and I could tell on TV too, I get it. Boots in the box. Boots in the box, for sure. Now, with that said, so many flybys. So many flybys especially when you're down 2-1 and then 3-1 in the game. I know they ultimately made it 4-1 pretty soon after as well. But like let's let's get the glass rattling a little bit. Like this is where I know he's like the community ambassador, but like Chris Neal should just go in the room and be like, "Look how I played." The first shift Chris Neal would take every game, he would at least run one guy into the boards. It's not as good as a goal. I understand that. I'm not a complete dinosaur. But at the same time, if you're at home and struggling the way they have three home wins in their last 12 games in Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Centre, that is unacceptable. That is not best in class. That's really, really tough on the people that pay to be there and and support this team the way they do. The season ticket holders, many of them listen to the show. Citizens, we love you. We appreciate you guys. And you guys deserve to see better in front of you when you go to these games. So It comes down to how that's going to happen. And at least one way you can get the crowd engaged in a game is by running and making the glass bang, crash, boom. And I know at the end of the game and coming up after the break, we will discuss that penalty shot at the end of the game as a goalie-friendly show, but also as a show that wants to see the captain stay healthy all season. So we'll get into that. But just overall, it feels like the Senators could be playing a more aggressive style out of the gate when they don't have the puck. And at least getting the crowd on their feet and saying, okay, at least, you know what, the effort's there, the physicality's there, and eventually the pucks will go in the back of the net. So that that to me is an unfortunate reality that the Senators are in right now, but a roster move has also given us the idea that maybe one of those glass bangers is going to come in here and ruffle feathers on the road trip. We'll get into those conversations and St. Louis Blues, the next opponent. Firing Craig Berube. Yes, that is Stanley Cup champion in 2019, Craig Berube. They've promoted their AHL head coach. But of course, DJ Smith trending on Twitter in Ottawa and actually all of Canada this morning on Twitter. We'll tell you why after a quick word. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team
1: every day. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends over at Game Time. Guys, Game Time is the ticketing app of the Locked On Podcast Network because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Now, maybe you're saying, guys, your whole first segment, Spiel was talking about how bad the games are at the CTC. We don't want to be buying tickets to go watch the Senators play at home. All right, that's fine. Because with Game Time, it's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for not just sports, But music, comedy, and theater near you. Well, you can see a comedy show if you go see the Ottawa Senators or maybe a a tragic theater display at the CTC. But if you're looking for other uh, opportunities to have a fun night out on the town, Game Time is the place for last minute tickets. Forget planning months in advance. If you got the night off and uh, you and some friends or you and your partner wanna go see some comedy, some theater, a concert, or sports, you gotta go to Game Time. Game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. In fact, if you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time is going to go ahead and credit you 110% of the difference. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps. Boom, tickets on your phone. It's that easy. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NHL for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed.
0: Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace. We love our friends at Shawarma Palace. They're basically family at this point. And at Shawarma Palace, you know that you are going to be fuel filled. You'll be full. And man, it is as tasty, delicious, and fresh as you could possibly imagine. There's a reason it's Ottawa's number one Shawarma. And there's a reason why they started with one store and now have seven also available on Uber Eats. You can find them. Their Bank and Hunt Club location is pretty central. You can also find them right downtown. Rito Street, right by Augustine Chapel. You can also find them on Bank Street, right by Baseball Town, Gladstone, right in that area. So they are all over the city of Ottawa. They're also in Orleans. They have seven locations, as well as the Salem Raw Shopping Center. I always get the platter. The chicken platter is to die for with extra garlic and the whole bit. Comes with fresh pita. It comes with the hummus as well. It comes with the fresh salad and rice, along with your chicken right off of the spit. So go grab a Shawarma Palace platter or grab the sandwich if you want a quick-to-go lunch. For Brandon Piller, he loves his sandwiches over at Shawarma Palace. I'm a big platter guy. Let us know what you like in the comments, but one thing we do know is if you want to eat like a royal, you can go eat at Shawarma Palace today. All Right, Pilsy. here we are dissecting another loss for the Ottawa Senators, a loss where the Sens fall below 500 for the what? Tenth time this season, every time they climb out, they fall right back in to the trap. The Senators got a goal from Josh Norris last game, the first goal of the game, of course. Why wouldn't it be? It was a, a tip-in shot. Eric Branstrom takes the shot. Claude Giroux gets an assist. So Giroux maintains his pace. He's at 23 points in 23 games second on the team in points behind Tim Stutzla. But Pilsy, we gotta call a Spade a spade. That was Tim Stutzla's worst game I, I think I've seen him play in, in the last year. Like I can't remember a game where he's had that many giveaways, been that disengaged in the middle of the ice. And to me, it's clear that he's playing injured. Like I, I don't know what the I don't know what tape, the
1: problem is. That well the tape tape, has been on his back all, all season where we didn't really see that before. I don't know if I would go as far to say he's injured. Uh, I mean, he's he still has 26 points in 23 games, leads the team. So he's still putting together a nice season, like, seemingly quietly. Um, but yeah, that was a tough one for Timmy. Just frustrating, running into Brady Kachuk, getting knocked on his ass. Uh, missing the puck on, a, uh, on the start of a breakout for that power play. Smashing a stick on the ice and smashing the door. He, he was full on talking to himself on the bench, looking at it at the blade of his stick. Like, did someone mess with my stick? Like what's going on here? It was not a great night for Tim Stutzler, So that's for sure.
0: No dash two and, and went uh, 33% in the dot two shots on goal. I mean, uh, these aren't like the, it's not really the, it's more just kind of the vibe that I got from watching the game. It was just like, I don't know, just, just did not feel like a good one. But hey, that, how many times does he have bad games back-to-back? So I'm going to be watching Timmy, I'm going to be watching Norris, and I'm going to be watching Kachuk in the game against St. Louis. Of course, it's a homecoming for Brady Kachuk, but let's get to that penalty shot. It's 4-1 in the game at that point. There's about four and a half minutes left. Brady gets a breakaway, and Kachekov. I mean, check the game notes on him. You see the even the reason why he gets the penalty shot. Now, I will say, as a goalie, that's a clever move because he didn't throw his stick. No, he dropped he, it. He dropped it. But he dropped it strategically.
1: Yeah. And he, he he dropped it in a way that if the puck was trickling towards the line, as it was, is- <laughs> it would, it would hopefully stop it. Now that didn't happen. They they kind of blew the play uh dead before it crossed the line it and then it ended up getting cleared anyways, but yeah, that's a weird way to have a penalty shot be awarded. Shout out the refs, though, being right on top of it and, and calling it right away. But there was also another weird part of this penalty shot. Apparently, DJ Smith said the linesman went up to the bench and said, anybody can take the shot, which has never been true. No, no it is true,
0: because that's what you can do when, when a player closes his hand on the puck in the crease and it's a penalty shot.
1: Ah, uh, okay. For that. Yes. That, that is fair. You can pick one, but,
0: but it's the same thing. Cause it wasn't. So here, when a penalty shot is normally called, like, let's say the break Kachuk Chuck was hooked on that breakaway. Right. Yes. That, that player yes. was fouled. That player needs to take the shot. That's how I've always known it. Yeah. I'm under the impression that that's not what the call was. The call was that the goalie threw his stick, no. which
1: to me would mean that anybody could take the shot. Okay, yeah, so that, that is a, a differencing uh there, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But then so the linesman tells DJ Smith this, and then the ref then comes and says, No, 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 what are you doing? Putting Josh Norris out here, like Brady's gotta shoot it. And then at that point, Ross, I already knew it was a failed attempt because then Josh Norris is getting ready and Brady's sitting there, and then now it's like, Oh no, you have to take it, not like oh, you get to take this, or you can pick the player you want to take this. Like Brady wasn't chosen to take that. And Brady is not really a great shootout uh, or penalty shot guy, anyways. Now on breakaways, Pilsy. Pilsy. where he has a defenseman chasing him, he's good. But all alone, it does it doesn't translate for him.
0: Pilsy, he's zero for six in his career on bra- on shootouts.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exa- exactly. So the, the eye test matches there. And I don't know if I'm Brady Kachuk coming in with that much speed doesn't make a lot of sense for me like he's not a speed guy i don't i don't know i i just felt like he was doomed from the start like this this was a play that just was not set up for success in my mind
0: so he comes in full tilt and peter kachetkov comes out and goes full dominic hasik i thought it was a trip i think that i we discussed it in in length on the postcast we don't need to hash it out completely the way we did last night but it's much like a, a, a slide tackle in soccer, I believe, where it's a risky play. And if you get the ball slash puck, then it should be a fair play. And if you touch sure. the puck first with your stick, then if Brady flies over you, hey, you played the puck. Yep. But if you don't touch the puck at all and the guy trips over you, it's a trip. Yeah. Now, I don't know what happens there if it's a two-minute penalty or, or if you retake the shot. No, like he, I
1: said, you get a two-on-oh penalty shot next. That's how they should do
0: it. Because uh, I mean, if you're tripped on a breakaway or a penalty shot, then that I mean that's a penalty shot. So it's it's a, an awful situation. How did you feel about how Brady handled it?
1: Well, for, before we get to that, if there's no repercussions for tripping a guy on a penalty shot, hell yeah! If I'm a goalie, I'm tripping him. Why would but you? The the counter
0: to that, and again, hashtag goalie friendly show. Keep your head up when you're coming down because if Brady, like, it's not like he just, he was
1: so close and he just poke check like. Oh, he was almost at the hash marks. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Kachekov made the decision. He was already out challenging past his crease. And then he made the quick decision, which I don't, I don't hate as a goalie. you got to look for your moments. Like, I, as a goalie, I like being the one that makes the aggressive move rather than waiting for the move. So he sees an opportunity where Brady has his head down. He's going too fast to adjust. Yeah, go for the poke check. But he goes for the poke check, misses it completely, like does not get the puck at all, completely trips up Brady Kachuk, and there's no no repercussion for that. So if I'm Kachekov, if I'm Brindamore, I'm patting him on the back after being like, nice job negating that penalty shot. And now, not only that, you've got Brady pissed off now. Now you've got Brady that's just taking a 10-minute penalty. He's out of the game. We can cruise to an even easier victory than we've already done. So they got to work on some sort of rule where there's a pre uh repercussion rather for goalies that do that so that they're not incentivized to just do that all the time.
0: I, I like the thought process of Kachekov as someone who would probably do something similar. Yeah. But I also understand Brady's frustration that that's a dangerous play. He, he's coming in with a lot of speed. Yeah. Kachekov would be like, I didn't tell you to go that fast. like, go as fast as you can be in control of yourself. So Whoa. it's one of those where it sucks, but in a three goal game, I think is probably where Brady's like, are you serious? Like, even if I score this goal, we're down two with three and a half, four minutes left in the game. Like what, what are you doing dude now where I have not even an issue really, but where I think things could have been different. I'll tell you after a quick word, we'll get into that. And we'll also get to the coaching carousel. The third coach gassed this season. What does it mean for the Ottawa Senators? That's next. You're listening to Locked On Senators.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Brad Sleeper. Guys, Sleeper is the official daily fantasy app for the Locked On Podcast Network. And for a good reason, if you want to win 100 times your money, yeah, 100 times, you could play daily fantasy hockey on the Sleeper app as the official App of our network, like I mentioned. It's not just hockey you can play. You can play daily fantasy sports for football, basketball, baseball, college football, and more. What I love about this app is it's so easy to use. They got a group chat where you can talk smack to your buddies, let them know you got a big week lined up, and your entries can be made in under a minute. Time is money. You want to get those entries in as quick as possible. Because with studs like Brady Kachuk, Klo Drew, Jake Sanderson, and Drake Batherson, all you need to do is pick the right stats for these stars, like gold. Goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. You heard me, Sens fans. 100 times payouts on Sleeper. So start paying attention and get your picks right so you can win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for detail. Available only to our friends in the States for now. Today's episode
0: is also brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. The Glebe Central Pub is right in the heart of the Glebe. 779 Bank Street is where you can find them. And when you head there, make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. They're great people there. They do a great job. They've also made sure that they do interactive events to get people together. Because isn't that what bars are all about? Making sure people have a good time in each other's company. They've got the Arsenal Supporter Bar. So, Every morning in the weekend or every Arsenal game day, it's such a blast there in the morning. They've got the Ottawa, uh, Ch- or Ottawa, um, Atletico, Ottawa. Thank you. That team, they've got a little uh, plan there where they actually like free there and then all like parade to the game because we're just nice. steps away from Lansdowne. But of course, it's hockey season, it's senator season. And just last Thursday, I was riding the Glebe Central pub shuttle. Easiest way to get to the game. It leaves an hour and 15 minutes before the puck drops. And you can buy your tickets online, Glebecentralpub.com, hit the send shuttle bus, and then scroll down until you see the logos of the teams. It says $17. Just click right there. They'll give you a bracelet when you get to the to the game or to the bar, and then you just hop on the bus. Sue gets you there, and we got there right at the end of warm up. So there's time to get your beverages in, get your food, and get to your seat in time to watch the opening puck drops, So you never have to worry about that at the Glebe Central Pub. Head there today, 779 Bank Street. T- check out the Send Shuttle and make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. It's the Glebe Central Pub. The vibes are free at the GCP. All right, Pilsy. Okay, I got to get right back to that point because I do feel strongly about this. Look, Let's hear it. Go off. If Brady Gachuk wants to go off on Kachetkov, I'm cool with that. Especially in a game where it's kind of it's out of reach at that point. They're down four-one. It's out of reach. Oh yeah. My issue is making everybody in the arena know that you're going to go after him, right? Like if you want to have a word with him on your way back to the bench, he didn't get any penalty for that. He just let him know he's like that. Be ready. Like that was not cool. Where I have like a like come on, is when he goes from the bench back for round two of just talking, like. And I feel like Brady, he's lucky that he didn't get hurt on that play. That is a 220-pound man going hard into the end boards.
1: And Ross, uh, a lot of people uh, on social media, sense fans on Instagram and Twitter, I've been seeing this. When there's a penalty shot at home and it's your captain taking it, you're going to start filming it, right? So people are filming it. TV, on TV, you didn't get a sense of how hard he went into the boards. But from the fan videos from the stands filming it, you realize how hard he goes into the boards. He is flying. If that was Josh Norris going that fast into the boards, he's done. He's cooked. So luckily, Brady Chuck doesn't get hurt there, let alone seriously hurt. Um, but that's a that's a tough play. That's a so, tough, tough play.
0: Somebody just wrote on our YouTube comments Jay Houston saying in his beer league, a guy broke his neck on a similar play.
1: Like th- that's the thing. Yeah, it's very easy to do because when you're going that fast and st- you're just going, your body's flailing into the boards like that. It's brutal. Now, to, to hop onto your point there, Ross, look, I'm, I'm going to have the same thought process or explanation as I did for what happened to David Perron. I'm not excusing it. I'm not justifying it. There's only one explanation for how Brady acted. He got his wires crossed, and he didn't give a damn what was the best way to go about this. What way he could actually get revenge, who he was gonna get revenge on, or anything. That's a guy going purely off emotions, and he's sick and tired of losing. He's sick and tired of leading this team to losses, and he's just trying to blow or not trying, he he's blowing off steam. It's coming out of his ears, ears at that point, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Like he just cannot handle himself. So I for me, Ross, and I think I mentioned this on the postcast. I'm more kind of disappointed that DJ Smith and the coaching staff let him go out right after that. Like, Sit him on the bench, let him cool off for a bit, but ultimately it's a moot point because whether Brady was in this game for the rest of this or not didn't matter. They were losing this game. And that's
0: why this stat doesn't tell the whole story, but it is still hilarious to see on paper. the The goal stat does matter. I'll get to that. But in losses this year, in 12 losses, Brady Kachuk has 58 penalty minutes. And in 11 wins, he has four penalty minutes, two minor <laughs> penalties. But as people will remember, because I would like to break that down further because the numbers are are jumping off the page. But we know he's had, you know, 10-minute misconduct against Florida, 10-minute misconduct in last yeah. night's game just to get out, right? So the, lo- the losses, these 10s pile up pretty fast. I would like to know the minor penalty differential because he's known to have taken some, some bad penalties over the last couple of years. So I'm curious to see that. Cause only two minor penalties in 11 wins. Like to me that I thought that was going to be, you know, 10 minutes or, or eight minutes at least. But right. that, that to me is a huge positive for Brady Kachuk. But again, Brady in 12 losses only has three goals and in 11 wins, he has 10 goals. Okay. Like he doesn't have to be a goal game guy always, but that is something that I'm going to be curious to see if that's just a, a trend for a bit of the season, or if that's going to continue on here throughout. But what better place for him to play his next game than in his hometown? Like this feels like a Brady, a, a must-have game for Brady Kachuk. And tomorrow on the show, we'll get into the you know full breakdown, full preview of tom- of the game tomorrow night in St. Louis. The start of a back-to-back on the road, a tough back-to-back because they got the new coach bump. They got to deal with in St. Louis. And then the Dallas Stars are, are a, a wagon. They, oh, yeah. They're a wagon. That's the one way to, to put that team.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it, it hopefully going back to St. Louis helps out Brady Kachuk here. But I think we can segue this into the new coach uh, talk. Craig Berube, by all accounts, a, a great head coach. Like, You talk about the season they had in 2019 where they're in dead last in January 1st and they go all the way to the cup and win it.
0: So you're saying there's a chance.
1: That St. Louis Blues team will give every single, all 32 teams, a a hope and a belief that at January 1st they can still get this done. Is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? God, no, it's not. Mm. But the, the thing is, Ross, is... And I've been trying to uh, kind of follow along with this story. Obviously, the Sens playing the Blues next. Uh, So I've been listening to the press conferences. I I read the athletic uh, that the St. Louis Blues guy did. And essentially, what Armstrong is saying, the general manager, is that he didn't give the players a heads up about this. The players were shocked about it. Um, He was just saying, look, my job is to manage the players. They'll play for whatever coach I I give them really was kind of his attitude. Um, And he was like, my job is to manage and to make sure that the right people are in the right places. And he felt like with the effort, especially he referenced two games, one against Arizona, one one against Buffalo, where he just wasn't seeing their top guys, their guys that are signed to big dollars and long contracts. He wasn't seeing them execute and play the way he thought they were able to and have played in the past and the way that he's constructed this roster to play. And for that reason, he said, we, we got to make a move here. We got to make a change. And they bring in Drew Bannister. And I was doing a little research on this guy, Ross. This guy would have been uh, a, a classic candidate for the Ottawa Senators. He's from Belleville, Ontario. you love to see that. And the last team he played on in North America The Binghamton Senators in 2009-2010. And this guy's played all over. uh, Finland, Russia, Germany for like five years. Uh, Then he even played in England and Scotland to finish off his career. So this guy's got a lot of experience here. He was the head coach of uh, their minor league team, Bannister. And now he's going to be the interim coach. And I wouldn't be shocked, Ross, if that new coach bump and the Sens just being the Sens cruises the st louis blues to a victory tomorrow night so that that's what you're seeing these franchises like minnesota and edmonton those are teams that had expectations right and so things weren't going their way they fired their coach right away to get things to stop the digging and stop getting in a bad position so they can hopefully have enough time to crawl back out of the basement. And the Edmonton Oilers are doing that. They're on an eight-game win streak. They're doing it. The St. Louis Blues, this was not a team that, at least maybe Blues fans would argue, but at least from my vantage point, this was not a team that had expectations. This is a team that's retooling this year, trying to figure out their identity, Uh, especially you lose uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Petrangelo. They haven't really been able to get that identity back with those guys leaving and even they are saying Craig Brube's been our guy. He's had, had a great tenure here, but we gotta make a change. The Ottawa Senators are the only franchise that is sitting here with a long-tenured coach that hasn't had any success that don't feel the need to make a change. And I- the fans are gonna get sick of it. The look, I'm not I'm not a chant fire DJ guy. I don't I don't like going for, for a guy's job, and DJ Smith is a good guy. The players are still uh, Their the effort is there. There he I don't think he's lost the room yet. I I don't think so. Especially reading that Mendez article where he kind of brought them all together and he didn't kind of whip them into shape or anything like that. It seems like this is still something that can work. But to make no changes at all now, sure you can say you brought in Jacques Martin, you're bringing in Daniel and that helps. But all you're doing is kind of coddling this coaching staff, being like, oh, you're having a tough time here. Here's a little help. Here's a little boost. It's uh, it's like that, that old saying, uh, give a man a fish, he's got food for a day, give him a fishing rod, and now he, he can fish on his own. The Ottawa Senators are just give, giving little fishes here and there just to help out just for a day or two. got to make a big change that, that shows accountability and shows that what's happening right now cannot continue. Because right now the message they're sending to their fans and the season ticket holders at the CTC is... This is okay. We'll ride this out. It can't continue like this.
0: No, I don't think so either. But at that point, it's like, how late can you wait? Right? Is there going to exactly. be a point where if you get to, yep. towards, right, is it just going to be like a, a Mark Crawford coming in for the last 12 games to mop it up? Not Obviously no. not him, but that style where it's just like,
1: You know, are you playing mop-up duty? At that point, there's no no point in that, Ross. Like, I think the the reason you would make a coaching change now, which is what these other teams are doing, is to try to stop the bleeding and try to at least think you have enough time to make it back. And that time's running out. Like, I, I don't know about you, Ross, but I would say if they don't make a coaching change, whether it's the head or both or one assistant coach, by like come 2024 if there's not a new coach in for that new 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 year it's too late in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm reading some of those Jeremy Rutherford quotes coming out from the uh the Doug Armstrong press conference. A lot of people liked Craig Berube as well in St. Louis and even oh, yeah. Doug Armstrong being like, "Hey, This was tough. I have a ton of respect for Craig Berube and obviously what he brought to them in a championship. But also, you look at the Senators now and it's like, hey, he's the sixth longest-serving head coach in the National Hockey League. And the guys who have been there longer than him like you could have even said this before that they all had like either cups or very deep playoff runs. Yeah. Um Rod Brindamore definitely never got swept, but like with him, like at least you know that he has these guys as a consistent contender, even though they'd lost four in a row before coming in and, and being slump busters in Ottawa. It's just like Yeah, it's almost like we all know what has to happen, but everybody's too scared for instability. Yeah. The the only thing that I would say is will you get a, a longer list of candidates in the summer. And if that's the case, then is Jacques Martin a guy who you could, I don't know what his contract is. I don't know how long he signed for, but is it something where he could coach the rest of the year and then go back to this, this same role, right? Because I, I would actually be against them hiring a coach like a John Hines type thing in, in Minnesota where they're just, you're now the head coach indefinitely. Yep, I think that right. Ottawa, I think they should regroup this summer and decide who the head coach is. But that doesn't mean finish the year
1: with DJ necessarily. Right? Yeah. And, it's and, and it's and a delicate balance. It, it definitely is. And I, you're 100% right. The off season is the ideal time to hire a new coach. And that's fine. And I've been a guy that's, be, that's said among all the fire DJ chants. That's cool if you want that, but you better have a better option. If that's your plan, that's been my mindset all along. The only issue is Ross, if, if that's your mindset, that's fine. I get that. That's an efficient way to think for the future, but that means you've punted this season. And you can't be punting these years away. Like Jake Sanderson is on his entry-level deal. You've got Jake Sanderson making under a million dollars. Like these are the years and the windows where you look at, and and especially in a salary cap world, where you're like, we have to take advantage of our number one defenseman on an entry-level deal. Like that's, that's how this league is constructed is to give you those opportunities where you can have an advantage like that. And the Sens are just squandering it away. And I think that's the tough thing, Ross is, you know, it takes a while when you're rebuilding, you're rebuilding, you're going to suck. It's going to happen. And then you try to take a step out of the rebuild. Maybe that was 2020, 2021. And then you try to take another step. That's 21, 22. And then last year 22 23 like that was where everyone was like hey we're done losing and trying to acquire draft picks we we got to make that next step now this is like they should have already taken multiple steps and they're not there yet so to punt on another season and not take a step you're setting this team back so so much and you're just wasting time and that's the issue i have here ross is our mantra this season has been playoffs or bust, no excuses. And to punt on a year where you're expecting to make playoffs is sad. It's it's sad. And the
0: players are clearly getting frustrated. And yeah, how think, much
1: more of this can Brady Kachuk take?
0: Yeah. It's really, really frustrating. Now, I don't think that, anyways, I think that, the ownership change and and that can can maybe buy a little extra time with the players because sure. they're seeing changes off the ice. Like they're seeing they're not getting the the warmed up quesadillas as, as post game uh, food anymore. Right? They got the sure? chef. They redid the lounge. I've heard they've read they've the players are seeing things improve. So yeah. I don't think this is something where like oh we're losing like I want out I want out. I think that they are bought in to the process and I think I mean they're all lower, locked up
1: in long term deals
0: but they can still ask for a trade, right? Like that yeah. is the, the trump card that they yeah. have. But I mean, if Ann Lauer's public persona is what it is behind closed doors, which I believe it is, yeah. I guarantee you that he's got the group bought in more than just this year. I think he sees a long-term vision and I think he's verbalizing that to these players that he wants to be a part of the thing. But at one point, and again, this is the other decision. And I think I think coaching, again, we, we've already talked about that ad nauseum. The other option is to pick one guy in the room who's been there for a long time and make that trade. But it's it's an off-season thing again. But shake up what has been... like. I was thinking about this last night, and I want people in the comments to let us know as well. Who's the last player from the perceived core to be moved? And I know the core kind of shifts as time goes on, but I, I have a name that, that I think was the last one. But to you, who's the last player who was a part of the core fabric of this team to get moved? I guess Pajot. No, no, I think a little bit later than that. I was going to go with Nick Paul.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: As a guy who's been here for a while. But now, like, that's almost two full years where, like, what you see is what you get. And they've added to it with Tarasenko and Giroux and other guys coming in and Chikrin. But it's just, like, they haven't had to deal with, like, hey, you're not playing well here. You got to go. Yeah. If you're here, you're here. Nobody's been 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 like hey and Nick Paul didn't get traded because of that it was because they couldn't agree to a contract extension I get it but just to shake up the room a little bit and give him a shake but you also shake up the room by moving on with a coach and this coach has coached over 300 games with the team and they have a 460 win percentage or points percentage not even win point and you look at like the, the other coaches and like I've gone to this wikipedia page way too much <laughs> oh no NHL, like the longest the longest serving head coaches in the National Hockey League. John Cooper, Tampa Bay Lightning. Two Stanley Cups, four Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. Mike Sullivan, two Stanley Cups. Colorado, Jared Bednar. He coached them to the worst season yep. in like NHL history almost. It was no, so bad. N- no respect to the inaugural senators. I know you guys suck too. Ten wins. <laughs> I've never heard that, actually. No respect instead of no disrespect. All right. So Jared Benner turns that ship around, wins the cup. Yes. Rod Brandamore, as you've heard from Tom Dundon, the uh, the owner for uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, he's got a lifetime contract there. But he also has a 661 win percentage. Pretty good. Pretty good. Then Todd McClellan, who I think is the most comparable to Ottawa in the sense that they rebuilt at the same time. Now, what yep. they did that Ottawa couldn't afford to do with their ownership was keep paying their... Most important players throughout that.
1: Kopitar, Doughty, yep.
0: Exactly. Like imagine the Sens rebuild if they if they kept Mark Stone, right? Just for an example, just the one. And I know the Eric Carlson trade, they they fell ass backwards into winning that with how yeah. bad the San Jose Sharks were. But I'm just talking about that caliber of player, just keeping a couple, just a couple. Yep. Agreed. and seeing what that can do to help get guys out. Now, I know the situations there is some difference, but that to me is the most like similar trajectory. But now look at this season. The Kings are, are elite. The Kings look great. And Todd McClellan was also a coach that had, had been much more veteran than DJ Smith, right? He's, yes. he's coached exactly. over 1,100 games. Yeah. So a little bit different. I'm just saying that if you even, you can even go so far, as the coaches that have been hired right after DJ Smith, as guys who have turned teams around, New Jersey Devils with Lindy Ruff. Sheldon Keefe picked up a pretty good team, and he, he obviously got them over the one hump. There's still three more after that. I know Leaf fans like to forget there's stuff beyond round one, but he's he's been, you know, even on the hot seat himself. So it, it's interesting to me. And then every other head coach after that, Pelzi, was hired in 2021, Or, or more recently, like there is so much turnover in coaching in the national hockey league, but the auto senators just, uh, they aren't subscribing to that for now. We'll see if it changes any final thoughts on today's show. Uh, no, no. I have a final question for you then. If you don't know, no, if you don't have thoughts, I'll I'll ask you a question. Five game road trip back to back Mm. St. Louis, Dallas, then Sunday night in Vegas, Tuesday night in Arizona, Yep. Wrapping up next Thursday in Colorado. How many wins do they need for you to feel confident coming back home? They need three. Three and two would be good for you. I mean, not
1: not good, but I
0: I think three and two would actually be like come back five hundred.
1: Well, well, when you're looking at the um, the caliber of teams they're playing, yeah, three three and two would be good. But as far as like actually gaining some ground in the standings, it, it wouldn't wouldn't do much for you here. Like Ross, yeah, up against St. Louis with the new coach bump, I just I don't like that hockey voodoo. I don't like the feeling for the Sens there. Then you. On the second half of that back-to-back, you go to Dallas, one of the best teams in the league. Then you go to Vegas, one of the best teams in the league. And, and Ottawa, then... has Ottawa ever won a game in Vegas? I don't think they have. In Vegas, yeah, pro- probably not. Probably not. I don't think they have. I and will I will check right now. You might be looking at the Arizona Coyotes and thinking that's a time where you can feast, but the Coyotes have been good this year, and especially, like, they're 8-5 and five at home. They've been getting it done at Mold Arena, and, and then to finish it off, you get to go to Colorado, one of the, the most successful teams that has things clicking right now. Like, I just... The only the only real positive I can see from this road trip is it gets them the hell away from the CTC because they got they got to get out of here. Hopefully, you bond on the road. You have uh, some good experiences going out with the boys. Maybe uh, Vegas that's a that's a time where you can turn things around. I don't know what to expect here, but I, I'm not feeling good going into this road trip at all.
0: Do, do you know what the Sens' overall record is against Vegas? How many games? Uh, Ten.
1: I'm going to say 1-8-1. and They're 1-9-0 and against Vegas. I was close. Yeah, wow. I shouldn't and have given them that loser point.
0: They have one win in Vegas. And you know who scored the game-winning goal with 12 minutes left?
1: It's going to be someone random as hell.
0: Alex Burrows. Yeah, okay. Or, <laughs> <the> game-winning <laughs> goal, the last and only time that the Ottawa Senators won in Vegas. Mark Stone scored in that game for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Burroughs assisted by Eric Carlson and Max McCormick. That's the goal that gave Ottawa their only win in Vegas to tell you how long it's been. You know what? I'll say they need to win four of their next six because I'm going to count that game at home against Pittsburgh on the Saturday going into the Christmas break. That would put them a game above 500 going into the Christmas break. Maybe they'll forget about the 500 thing coming out of Christmas then into that little three-game stretch there before New Year. So, hey, lots of time to break that down. You let us know, though, in the comments, how many wins are you expecting, not hoping, or both, on this road trip? This road trip through the desert, out west, and up into the Mile High City. It all starts tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues. We'll be here for a full preview tomorrow on Locked On Senators. For today, though, we say goodbye. If you want more from us, make sure to check out yesterday's interview with Mark Mathot. Always a fun conversation with Meth, his 17th time on the show. Also, tweet at him. Let him know that you appreciate him coming on with us because we know that uh, those numbers, the numbers tell the story. So make sure you know that uh, he knows that we appreciate him coming on. For today, though, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team, every day.